Well, welcome here to the first anniversary of our relaunch that took place a year ago, and what a year it's been, hasn't it? Man, could we have ever anticipated when we sat in this room a year ago uh, what God had in store for our country, uh, what he had in store for our own lives, our families, and yet how many of you with a hearty amen would say, you know what, God's been faithful. Oh, he's been so good, and he's been so, so faithful. A year ago today, we invited over 30,000 households to join us for our grand reopening. Some of you remember this. Went out, invited our community. We had the lar- one of the largest attendances in the history of our church. Tons of first-time visitors came. Uh, people were saved. Uh, some of you remember the food trucks we had. That was a lot of fun as well. It was a great day. It was on that day we shared the vision that, uh, man, we believe that God wanted us to step out by faith. And uh, how many of you remember this? We were going to rent out the local football stadium, and by God's grace, we're going to fill it up and preach the gospel to more people in a single day than we had ever preached before. And we were excited about it. And then the next week, something happened. I forget what was that called? Oh, yeah, that's right. COVID. <laughs> it hit. And uh, stuff began to change. Our, our country changed. For many of you, um, your family dynamics changed. A lot of us had our lives changed in one way or the other. And the reason I bring this up is because I believe whether it was on a macro level through COVID or on a micro level in our own hearts and our own lives, every one of us have been in seasons where things were, were going well. It was trucking along. We're like, this is it. Kind of where our church was a year ago. <laughs> we're like, this is it. Man, we're just on the cusp of something. And you've been there in your own life. You've been there with your family. You've been there in your marriage. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just something hits. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter number 66. Psalm chapter number 66. I want to take a moment today, and we're just going to preach through this chapter of the Bible. If you're newer here to our church family, we're just an expositional Bible teaching church. Every week, we just open up the Word of God. We go to the next chapter. We just preach it. (laughs) Some of you waded through. We just finished up the book of Exodus, going verse by verse by verse through the entire book. And so we just pick books books at a time, marching through them. And we're looking forward here next week to be kicking off our next series, verse by verse, through 1 Peter. And I'm excited about that. I hope you'll join us for it. As we turn to Psalm 66, I want to say, as our theme, I guess, for this particular message is simply this, and we'll unpack it from this passage in just a moment, but I want you to see, first of all, that our focus, in many ways, determines our future. Let that sink in. It's going to lay the foundation for where we're going, and I want to ask you this question as we dive into this chapter. What are you focused on most right now? What is it that consumes your attention during this season? What is it that maybe distracts you? What is it that you've got your eye on? What, what is that thing that you're most focused on right now? We're going to go to Psalm 66. I do want to say if you're visiting here today, thank you so much. You're our honored guest, and we're glad to have you. Um, in fact, on front of your chair there, there's a little QR code. You can pull out your smartphone, 
hold it up to the chair in front of you. It'll pull up a service program that you can use to follow along the message today. There's also a place where you can turn in some information, some contact information. We'd love to just send you some more uh, information about our church, maybe answer any questions you have. There's a whole lot of things in there, kind of like a digital bulletin of sorts. So I hope you'll avail yourselves to that. And uh, if you're uh, regular with us, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like to invite you to stand if you're physically able. And we're going to read this morning through Psalm 66. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read all the way down through verse number 20. And then we're going to take some time just to unpack God's word today. Here's what the word of God says in Psalm 66, verse 1. Make a joyful shout to God, all you the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through your greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name, Selah. Here's what I want you to focus on for just a moment, because this is the foundation, this next verse that we're going to kind of look at. Come and see. Say that with me real quick, those three words. Say it with me. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. He, he turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah, verse 8. Oh, bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise be heard. Who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, O oh God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. I will go to your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals with the sweet aroma of rams. I will offer bulls with goats, Selah. Come and hear all you who fear God. And I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly, God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Notice that phrase in verse 5, come and see. Come and see the works of our God. This morning, I want to speak on the subject of the Christian's focus. In the day and age in which we live, where, where's our focus supposed to be? Where's our attention supposed to be? Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll unpack this today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great faithfulness. Well, the individuals in this room have been through so much this year. Many of them have gone through relational struggles. Others have experienced financial struggles, some health struggles. 
some loneliness, others depression, Lord, and yet the one thing that has been a constant is that you are faithful. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us, Lord. I'm asking this morning, I'm just, I'm humbly asking God that you would do what what I just cannot do. Lord, I do not have the ability to convict hearts and change lives, Lord, your Holy Spirit must accomplish that, and so I'm praying that you would. Dear God, do what only you can do over these next few moments. I pray that your word would not return void. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, and you may be seated. This morning, I want us to notice three ways, all right, if we can do that in this passage, three ways we should look at life as indicated in this passage. What are, what are three ways God's encouraging us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to focus, to have our attention in what direction? Let's, so let's just dive right in today. Uh, we're going to start with verse number five. I want you to see this in verse number five through verse number seven. It says, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doings toward the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land, and they went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. Why? He rules by his power forever. Notice that phrase, come and see. The psalmist is reminding us that we should come to see what? There's so much that can distract us. There's so much that buys for our attention. And yet we're reminded here that we need to come and see what? We need to see and focus on the great works of our God that he has done. And you'll see the context here was in the context of some very difficult moments. Red Sea. We'll get to that in a moment. But a moment ago, we had talked a little bit as we kind of we're sharing a little bit about what COVID did. And, and I, I think for our own experience, some of the change that began to happen as we heard the news that COVID had hit. For, for us personally, before we had really heard the word, before, you know, the news started sending it all around, before it became a thing back last February, uh, Jenny got extremely sick. We didn't know at the time what it was, a few days, a lot of just... Uh, chest issues, it's like, what's going on? Because a few days went to a week, and then a week to two weeks. Little did we know in that moment, uh, a few weeks later, they'd have a word for it. COVID-19. Of course, then March, early March came around, and all of a sudden, as a church family, like many churches around the country, we had to, like, start pivoting. And so very quickly, we went to an online digital service, and we tried to make it interactive. And man, some of you who are around for that, you remember, uh, I know last week we had more than 50 households watching online. And, and to those of you who are watching today, thank you so much for coming and, and being a part through these interactive services. Because of some of the job situations that had started to happen here, we, this last year, saw more of our leaders move away in a single calendar year than we've ever seen before as a church family. Fresno is not a very transient place. We're not used to having so many people move out, and yet this last year, uh, more than I've ever seen in my 14 years here, we just had a drove of people moving. You know, they're working online. They can get paid California money and not have to deal with California politics. They're like, we're out. <laughs> 
I think it was specifically hard. My brother Daniel, who's I've been able to co-labor with now, literally since I was 16 years old and pastoring there in Boron, California. He had been with me this whole time, and the Lord led him to move, and that was that was difficult for me emotionally. You know, just having that kind of your right hand man there a little bit, who's there always to encourage, and and God moved him on. And I remember just what a struggle emotionally, relationally that was. There was the financial unknowns with COVID, you know, how was the bills going to get paid? How are all of these things going to come together? We had to homeschool. How many of you had to homeschool kids? Some of you homeschooling kids and, and grandkids, and, and I know some of you are still doing that, and, and just the pressure that it put on homes. I, I remember there was like an eight-week stretch where our kids didn't even go to a store. I mean, it was just like nothing's open. They can't go anywhere, and it's just all of that pressure and all of those changes I know because of that, it puts some pressure even on my own marriage. I know others experience marriage issues. Why? Because there's just so much that was, that was taking place. I was literally, um, you know, walking through the office one day, and Alan shared this last week, and he, he came, and he said, Pastor, i got to tell you something. He talked about this last week, if you were here. So the doctor just called. It's our youth pastor. So I got cancer kind of a rare form. We don't know a lot of details yet. So now we're dealing with a staff with cancer. It wasn't too long later, Nick, Pastor Nick came and said, we lost our baby. Sarah had a miscarriage. And, and literally, to this day, she's still struggling with some of the health of implications from that. I went to the doctor, not, not knowing exactly what was going on even with me, and he prescribed hormone shots that I was supposed to give myself every day due to what he called adrenal fatigue. I was doing more family counseling than I'd ever done in my life. You would think, you know, with everybody at home with nothing to do, or everybody would just be doopty dandy, you know. Everybody was not. I personally, I personally went to more counseling last year than I ever have in a single calendar year. The weight of what we were going through was just incredibly intense. I was so encouraged because last October, some church members got together and you guys got together, I don't know if you remember this, and and you guys came and you, you prayed over our pastors. The statistics I'm seeing now, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25% of pastors are resigning through all of this. And man, you guys came and you came around us and you laid hands on us and you prayed for us that God would give us the grace and the strength to persevere. So encouraging. It was in that time I remember this, this, this statement and I want you to see it because we might put it up on the screens, but we can choose. In these moments, we can choose to focus on everything that's falling apart or we can focus on the one who's holding us together. And that's a little bit of what we see in this passage. Notice what it says, come and see the works of our God. In a season where things can get difficult and things get hard, come and see his awesome deeds. Get your focus off yourself. Get your focus off your pain. Get your focus off your problems. And come and see who? Him. Come and see what God has done, which brings us to our first thought this morning, and that's this. If you like to take notes like I like to take notes, I want you to jot this down. I want to encourage you, and what we see in this passage is to look back with gratitude. You say, what? Pastor, do you know what kind of year I had? 
Look back with gratitude. I want you to see the context of this. Notice what it says here in verse number five. Come and see the works of God. He's awesome in his doings toward the sons of men. Notice this. He turned the sea into dry land and they went through the river on foot. You remember the context from our study in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel were coming. They had Pharaoh's armies barreling down on top of them. To the right, there's these mountains. What do they have in front of them? They have the Red Sea. They were trapped. And in that moment where all hope seemed lost, God was able to do a mighty work. And so what we're seeing in this passage is, yes, those times where we look back, and yes, times got hard, and times got difficult, and things were a struggle. Here's what God wants to remind us of, that he was faithful even in those moments. And he was faithful to us this past year. I want to encourage us to look back with gratitude. Why? It's through pressure that coal gets turned into diamonds. It's through irritation that sand gets turned into a pearl. It's through being buried that a seed turns into a plant. It's through crushing wheat that wheat gets turned into flour. And so it is through our most difficult situations that God orchestrates his greatest works. We want to avoid those things. We want to bypass them. We want to go to God and say, God, don't make me endure this. And God says, it's okay. My grace is sufficient. I love in this passage where it says we went through the fire, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Some of you are still going through your fire. And sometimes it's easy to get focused on what's going wrong and what's falling apart. And I want to encourage you today, rather than focusing on what's falling apart, focus on the one who's holding you together. This is why the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. Not just the good times, not just the successful times, but in everything give thanks. But this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is why gratitude and praise is so important during difficult times. Why? Why is it so important? Because the feelings of joy often begin with the act of thanksgiving. And as we allow ourselves to have a heart posture of gratitude, a heart posture of praise, that's when God's spirit begins to allow us to experience the fruit of his spirit. So first of all, we start to look back. Look back with gratitude. But let's keep reading. Notice verse number eight. It says, oh, bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise be heard. Praise our God, all you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Throughout this passage, you're going to see where uh, God tested them, tested us finds us he took us through the deep sea we see he takes them through the fire and the truth is this you guys have had a difficult year I've walked with many of you through this season and it's it's not been easy and and I don't know about you but I know that's been my experience in one of the toughest years I've personally had to experience in my 40 years of life I do want to say this. As I look back on it, I will say these seasons has, have forced me to spend more time with God than I ever had before. 
Not because I'm super special or super holy, because I am super desperate. I remember one time with my journal open, just writing out my prayers to God and literally tears coming down my face. I wrote this statement out and I wrote it this. I said, he brought me here, not to leave me here, but to lead me somewhere better. He brought me here not to leave me here, but to lead me somewhere better. Where's he leading you? So we see, oh, that we would look back with gratitude. What else do we want to come and see? What, what else from this passage do we need to look at? Verse 8 says, Oh, bless our God, ye peoples, and make the voice of his praise be heard. There's a call to worship. There's a call to praise, which verse 8 brings us to our next thought this morning, and that is this. Not only do we need to look back with gratitude, but according to this verse, we should look up with worship. Yes, look back with gratitude. It was difficult. It was hard. But there's so much to be thankful for. But now we can look up with gratitude. I remember when I was about six years old, my dad had gotten one of these old DOS computers. And maybe for some of you who had computers way back when, I'm talking like in the 80s, these things, monochrome screens, they had those like 3.5 floppy disks that you would put. How many of you remember these things? I mean, these computers were old. It was basically a giant calculator. I mean, that's about what it was good for. Uh, you know, it was a typewriter with a screen. And I remember every once in a while there would, there would be this little game and you, it was like this ping and this little ball would go up and you'd hit it and, and it was about to, uh, we'd be playing it and then all of a sudden it just freeze. We'd be frozen, couldn't get it. No matter what we did, we tried to, nothing worked. And on those computers, I don't know if you remember, but there used to be this little red button on them. A little red button right there and it was a power button and then next it was a little red button that said reset. <laughs> Push that reset button. Whatever was happening, figured it all out, it started going again. In a lot of the same ways, worship is like that reset button. When God calls us to worship, and there are many ways in which God calls us to worship. He calls us to worship in song. He calls us to worship through giving. He calls us to worship through his word. But worship is, is, is like a, a cosmic reset button. It really resets our perspectives, it resets our worldviews, it resets our values, it resets our desires. I like to say it this way, that worship reorients our hearts so we can experience life as God designs. That's what worship's for. In all of its forms, worship reorients our hearts, our, our values, our, our motivations, our perspectives, our worldview. And as we worship, that's why worship's so important within our context, because it's literally reorient, reorienting our souls from the inside out so we can align with God's plans for our lives. At some points in the past, we, we've had people say, you know, and I've, I've heard people communicate, you know, hey, man, your, your, music, your music has a lot of emotion to it. It has a lot of, has a lot of feeling to it. Maybe, some people say, maybe, maybe just, just suppress it a little bit. Maybe just, you know, tone it back. A little too much of that. But, but our approach has always been a little different. Rather than suppress the praise and any emotion that might go with that worship and song, 
Our approach has been the opposite. Rather than suppress the praise and that emotion, our heartbeat has been to, to elevate our perspective of God. To, to elevate the degree to which, you know, our theology is seen. In fact, to such a degree that maybe people would say, man, their praise, their, their worship, their emotions, their feelings, man, it's so intense, but yet it still doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of how great they believe their God is. It's their, their perspective of God's goodness and his grace and his gospel is so profound. It's so big. They believe so mightily in their big God that, yes, their emotion, yes, their singing, yes, their worship is big, but it, it doesn't even compare to how big they believe their God is. So rather than suppressing the worship and suppressing the praise, we want to elevate our view of God to bigger and more grander perspectives, to see him high and lifted up so we would look, yeah, the emotion was great, the worship was great, but they don't pale in comparison to anything to our theology. That's where we want to be as God's people. That the word of God would be our supreme focus, our supreme desires. That's why Psalms chapter number 13 verse 8 says, I keep my eyes open. Always on the Lord. This is important. Every one of us are going to get tempted to, to look to something else for our satisfaction and our significance. Something else to look for our sense of security, to look for our sense of strength. And yet we're reminded here, oh, that we would keep our eyes always on the Lord. There's going to be a temptation to get your eyes on your problems. There might be a temptation to get your eyes on your past. There might be a temptation to keep your eyes on your spouse or your parents or a boss or your financial position or your health condition. And there's a, a thousand things smaller than Jesus to keep your focus on. But we're reminded, oh, that we would keep our eyes always on the Lord. Why? Because with him at our right hand, we will not be shaken. you've got your focus on God, there's a stability, a strength that your financial portfolio can't give you. There's a stability and strength that your spouse just cannot provide. There's a stability, there is a strength that no amount of mentors could, could usher in and bring to you. Why? Because when you have the Lord, you have everything you need for life and godliness because we are complete in Him. We're complete. I want to encourage us, yes, as we see in this passage, verses 1 through 5, to look back with gratitude. Verse 8 through 12, that we would look up with worship. Let's keep reading. In verses number 13 through verses number 15, five times we see the psalmist declare the phrase, I will. This is interesting. I will. So he's been looking back at God's goodness and what God has done. Gratitude and thanksgiving for what he, where they've been and what God's brought them through. And then they come to a place where they're worshiping God. Lifting up their praise and adoration to the one who is worthy. And then we see the psalmist said, now, now here's what I will do. Can I remind you of something? All of our works is not out of willpower and discipline. Not out of guilt, but out of gratitude. And it wasn't until the psalmist had been filled with gratitude for what God had done that now, now he's like, this is what I will do. And my friend, that is where every 
act of the Christian life should come from. It should never come from guilt. It should never come from a place of duty. It should never come from a place of, of just, you know, just kind of being coerced into it culturally. It should always come as a response to his goodness. It's the love of God that provokes unto love and good works. It's his love. It's his goodness. And we see this. This is what I will do. So he, the psalmist is no longer looking back. He looked back with gratitude. He looked up with worship. But now he's looking forward. Here's what I will do. I will go, the verse 13 says, into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows. God, you've been faithful to me. My only response is that I would be faithful to you in return. What else can I do? I'm so filled with your grace. I'm so filled with your strength. I'm so filled with your goodness in my life. What else am I going to do? I'm going to go. I will. I will go. I'll offer these burnt offerings. I'll pay you my vows. I'm going to do what I I told you I'd do. He begins to look forward at the things that he's going to do by faith. So what else? As we're moving through this, what else do we need to notice? What else do we need to see? What do we need to come and see? What else do we need to look at? This brings us to our final thought this morning. That's this. Not only do we need to look back with gratitude, which leads us to look up with worship, but I want to encourage us today to look forward in faith. Here's what I'm going to do. In response to what God has done, here's what I will do. Here's, here's the vow I made to God, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay. This is where we're going by faith. Man, I am so thankful for what God has done in our past. Aren't you? Amen. He's been good. He's been faithful. But we're going to continue to focus on demonstrating faith in God moving forward. This is why 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 tells us, for we walk by faith, not by sight. One definition of faith is this. Faith at its essence is expectation. Expectation. Simply saying, God, it's what you said. I believe it. I will. It's, it's an expectation that God's word is true and that God's promises are right. To look forward with faith. And I know this has been a, a really, really different year for us as a church, as families, in our lives, with school, so many things that are different. But can I, I just, I just want to say, as, as one of your pastors, I'm expecting God to do great things in the days ahead. And I know a lot of us have maybe been watching a little bit too much news the last few months. A little, maybe, maybe a little too much talk radio it's starting to kind of discourage us. We look at the political sphere and we're like, ah, oh, it's so overwhelming. We, lo- we look at what's happening in culture and we're like, what in the world is going on? What, our world is going crazy. But when I look here, we got reason to hope. We do. I know what's going on in Washington and 
we're looking around at what's going on in Sacramento and what's going on in Hollywood, but can I remind you, you know, there's something big going on in God's house. And can I say beyond that, I don't know the specific, I'm not a no prophet, and I don't know the specifics of what the future of your marriage will hold and the future of your family, but can I say this? I believe God's going to bring you through the fire too. I believe it. I believe he's going to bring you to a place of, of rich, rich blessing. And, I, and I'm not trying to preach a health, wealth, prosperity. All I'm saying is that regardless of what he brings you to, his grace will be sufficient in that moment. That no matter what you face, that you'll experience a peace that passeth understanding. That regardless of what you're moving through, that you would experience a joy unspeakable and full of glory. That you would know his love that is deep and rich and wide and that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Regardless of what your circumstances bring, regardless of what the situation brings, you can experience all that God has available to you in his spirit. That's your hope. And we look forward to that hope by faith. As a church, this, is, this has been a been a little bit of a pause year for us. I'm literally looking out right now, and I'm seeing a couple of you I have not seen physically in over 12 months. Man, it's been a, it's been a strange year. Many of you in here have lost a loved one. For some of you, you couldn't even be near them as they passed away. You missed out on things that you've spent years looking forward to brokenness in ways that you weren't imagining and yet the reality is God's faithful and he's been faithful to us and I just want to say I, I, I still believe that God wants to use his local church to impact communities all around the world I believe it I believe he has in the past I believe he's going to continue to do it here in the present and I think God wants to use this church in northwest Fresno and so because of that, a couple of things on a very practical level as we begin to move forward, we believe the Lord's leading us now to begin to open up some of our ministries in the next few weeks. And so we're going to start opening up some nursery ministries. We're going to start opening up some children's ministries. And we're going to need your help as we kind of start getting back into these rhythms of ministry. And I know a lot of folks who are online, and we've got, you know, about a third of our folks who are still watching from online and is you're feeling comfortable maybe with the vaccine coming out and maybe God would lead you to come back and join with us in a physical gathering so we can worship together with his people. I believe God's going to do some great things. In some small ways even, I think God's going to, we've got some things planned for this year. As some of you know who have been around here for a while, when we moved into this building, it was such a godsend and we're so thankful for it. But when we got in here, because of the way the situation is, uh, we had kind of an ordeal with the electrical panels. And uh, one of the aspects of that is the fact that we don't have a ton of power that we need at this point in the building. So the power box is all the way out on the other side of the building. And it was kind of an issue with our contractor. And so we can only get so much in the way of lighting, so much in the way of electrical equipment. And how many of you have been around? About every summer, a few occasions when we're running the air conditioning, we're running all the lights. How many of you have been in one of these services where, man, something happens, everything just goes black? <laughs> We've all been here, right? Okay. This is kind of a normal thing. If the, those of us who have been around a while, we just kind of, yeah, this is, this is what happens. You know, visitors are like, what's going, what's going on? Like, what, you know? 
So one of the things we, we'd like to do, just because that's always been a thing, we've had some folks come in, we're going we're gonna to try to get some lighting in here that's a little less power, that takes a little less power, and so we can do a little bit more with lighting and things like that, LEDs and, and stuff like that, that'll allow us just to not suck so much power, so when summertime comes and, you know, we've got to run the air conditioning and all this kind of stuff with the, the, you know, lighting the way it is, not optimal and th- things like that, we're going to try to redo all that this year. I, I will just say this on a very practical level, uh, that's not very cheap. And so I'd like to encourage you to prayerfully consider maybe giving above and beyond your never normal general tithes and offerings to our vision fund. And, and right there on front of your seat, there are offering envelopes. You can open those up. You can find that fund. If you want to jump online to fresnochurch.com slash give, you can give there. But we're going to be praying that maybe many of you would uh, see fit to join us kind of in this endeavor as we start stepping out to reopening these ministries and, and doing projects on the Y because we want to step out. Why? So we can see more people invited we're going to be sending out in a few weeks, we're going to send out another 30,000 invitations to our community, inviting them to come and be a part of our church family. None of these things are free, and to be quite honest, we don't really have it in the general budget. But guess what? God's always been faithful. I believe he's leading us to do it. And so we're going to do it by God's grace. We're going to expect him to provide. He's been faithful and he will. So if this is something where you say, you know what, God's leading me to be a part of it, I'd like you to prayerfully consider maybe financially giving, even above some of what you've regularly given to these projects so we can continue to move forward by faith. Notice this last verse here as we wrap this up. The Bible says, blessed be to God who has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. How many of you believers are so grateful for the mercy of God? Not giving you what you do deserve. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you were to die today and you're not 100% sure that heaven would be your home, the reality is the Bible declares that you are in desperate need of God's mercy. The Bible says that your life is headed toward destruction in a place that the Bible calls hell. And yet Jesus, God's son, came to this earth literally to take the punishment that your sin deserves upon himself. And through his sacrifice on the cross, you can be saved. Due to his life, his death, his burial and resurrection, we can have hope of eternal life and experience the very real mercy of God. And if you're here today and you don't know that, you don't have that hope, you don't have that confidence that you're saved, that you're on your way to heaven, we would love nothing more than to show you from the scriptures, not based on a denomination, not based on a religion, but based on the scriptures, what the Bible says about how you can know for sure that Jesus is your savior. Christian, where's your focus? Where's your focus? We've been encouraged today to look back with gratitude, to look up with worship, and to look forward with faith. As we wrap it up, I'm going to have these guys throw up a picture. I think you'll know what these two things are. There's two animals. A vulture on the right. Hummingbird on the left. It's interesting to me that a vulture finds death everywhere it goes. It has just a knack for it. 
And conversely, a hummingbird finds sweet things everything, everywhere it goes. Isn't that interesting? Why? Why does the vulture find death everywhere he goes, and why does the hummingbird find sweet things everywhere it goes? Here's why, real simply, I'm no scientist, because that's what it's looking for. You're, you're expecting something more profound, aren't you? That's all I got for you folks. Here's a takeaway from this, come and see. I want to encourage you to change what you're looking for. And you will most often change what you see. Your focus determines your future. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your great faithfulness. And in these moments where we are so prone to be distracted by our problems and our trials and our challenges and our disappointments, God, I'm speaking to myself today. Lord, please give me the grace to stay fixed and focus on you. Lord, I pray that we would be a people, regardless of what's happening around us, that we would regularly and often behold our God, that we would see you high and lifted up, that we would have a grand view of all that you are, not just what you do and not just your blessings, but the very essence of who you are, God, that we would stand in awe and adoration and worship for being a great and glorious God. May we behold you. For those here today who do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, they've never experienced regeneration through your promise of eternal life, I pray that they would experience salvation. It's only available through your blood. God, I'm praying that we, that we would behold you, that we would see you high and lifted up, that we would look back with gratitude, we would look up with worship, and we would look forward with faith. By your grace, in Jesus' name.